Welcome once again to At Home in Your Hymnal. This is Pastor Clint Poppy. Along with me is Pastor Adam Moline. We are privileged to serve the saints here at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Each episode of At Home in Your Hymnal is to help, encourage, and teach you. Are you ready for this? To be at home in your hymnal. Uh, yeah, isn't that, you know, Pastor Moline, Pastor yeah. Moline is shaking his head in astonishing disbelief. Believe it or not, Pastor, I came up with that title all on my own. <laughs> uh, that tells you how clever and witty I am. But in all, in all seriousness, the, uh, the greatest encounter that we have with a hymnal is generally when we go to uh, divine service or one of the prayer offices in church. Back in the olden days when I was a kid, everybody had a hymnal at home. Everybody used the hymnal for uh, family devotions, for private devotions. And I'm not sure how people in the uh, Lutheran Church, and specifically the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, uh, fell out of uh, that habit of doing that. But we're trying to uh, teach and encourage people to be at home in their hymnal, not only in church, but also to consider being at home with your hymnal in your home. Pastor Moline is just chomping at the bit to say something. Yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, if you're a head of a household, uh, a father or, you know, extenuating circumstances, mother, and you have kids and things like that, consider buying a hymnal. And there's services in there that you can do with your family on a regular basis. You can teach your kids to sing the hymns of the church. And uh, already, you know, even in infancy, you can teach children to have a love for God and his word and the way that he delivers his goods. And that's a good and God-pleasing thing for you to do at your home. And uh, along with that, I know a particular project that Pastor Moline is working on right now is to teach not only a love for the the worship of the church, God's word, the hymnody, the psalms, all these things that are in the hymnal, but to teach a proper reverence for God and his word and the entire act of God's service to us that we generally call worship. We've been working our way through Divine Service Setting 1, and the last several episodes we spent on This is the Feast, the uh, hymn of praise that probably is one of the most familiar aspects of Divine Service Setting 1 in Lutheran Service Book, page 151 and following. The last two episodes we spent in great detail on the Gloria, and now moving on in your hymnal from that hymn of praise section, we get to a little spot, top of page 156, that says salutation and collect of the day. The salutation is the Lord be with you. That is either sung or spoken. And the response then in uh, Divine Service Setting 1 on page 156 of LSB is, and also with you. Now, uh, if you have grown up Lutheran, if you've been in the Lutheran Church for a long time, or if you grew up Roman Catholic and uh, worshipped in the Roman Catholic Church for a long time, you realize that this response in the salutation is different. This response has been changed. In uh, Divine Service Setting 3 in Lutheran Service Book, page 184 and following, we retained the old traditional response. And uh, this is, um, I don't know, 
uh, kind of a concession to the modern times, all these kind of things. What, what bothers me is that people rarely talk about the theological significance of what's going on here. So you get the picture, the people sing, and when they're done with the hymn of praise, the pastor uh, turns, he faces the people, uh, the Lord be with you. And then the people respond, and also with you. Have a good day, you too. That's kind of really what's going on here. It's become very common in uh, the Christian church to have that kind of as a greeting or a response when people meet each other. But this is not the way it has always been. This is a significant change. I want to read uh, a couple of paragraphs from a Bible study that was put together by a friend of mine, Reverend John A. Fram. Um, and I think he's serving in Illinois right now, former, formerly in uh, North Dakota. And oh, bef- yeah, sure, there you betcha. Before that, he was in uh, Golden, Colorado. But uh, he put together a very, very great and detailed Bible study called The Divine Service, Its History and Theology. And with regard to the salutation, he says, The salutation precedes the collect of the day in the divine service. This exchange is one of the oldest parts of the liturgy and is used in various rites. The salutation is more than simply a churchly or liturgical way of saying hello. That this was even an exchange or dialogue was clouded in understanding due to the recent strange liturgical practice of the pastor speaking his part and the congregation chanting theirs as was the mistaken practice of many using the Lutheran hymnal, the 1941 uh, TLH. Most people would say the old blue or the old red hymnal. Assuming there was no chant for the pastor, which was in reality in a companion book. The most ancient response to the salutation is, and with your spirit, or as uh, you may know from Divine Service Setting 3, and with thy spirit. And also with you is more of a modern innovation, reflecting the influence of the Second Vatican Council of the Roman Catholic Church. Interestingly, in the last few years, the United States Council of Catholic Bishops has produced and authorized a new translation of the Mass that undoes the salutation response from, and also with you, back to, and with your spirit. So those who influenced our change to, and also with you, no longer use that response. Pastor, your thoughts and your reflection with regard to the response of the people and also with you with, uh, in contrast to the ancient liturgical response and with thy spirit. Yeah. <clears throat> um, the more modern response and also with you reflects the idea that, I don't know how to say this the right way, everyone uh, is really an equal uh, office and job responsibility within the well, divine you, service. You, you can say it the way um, it is. Everyone a minister. Everyone that's, a minister. That's the teaching, and the false teaching that uh, crept into the church in the 50s and 60s. Exactly. Whereas the other response, and with thy spirit, uh, even uh, in um, uh, Lutheran worship history and practice book, it, it makes the reference that this is called the little ordination. It's a recognition that the uh, pastor is there for a specific reason and purpose, and that is he is called to serve in an office to distribute God's gifts, 
to uh, preach God's word, to baptize, to distribute the Lord's Supper. And since he is in that uh, office, the office of the Holy Ministry, we say, and with thy spirit, because we know it's not just the man uh, that is doing this work, but rather it is the spirit using that man as the instrument uh, of proclaiming the gospel. And so for that reason, I think the older version, with thy spirit, is actually to be preferred in that regard because it acknowledges the reality of what the office of the holy ministry is. And uh, so it is a response that either upholds and uh, teaches the importance of the office of the holy ministry or ignores or denigrates the office of the holy ministry and i suppose if we put the best construction on it we would say people just don't even think about it right i think that's probably the reality across most of the board i have talked to people uh, even uh, um, learned church professors who have said you know uh, some pastors just think they're Jesus up there. That's why they dress the way they do, and that's why they say the things that they say. Uh, this this uh, return, and with thy spirit, acknowledges the fact that the man himself is not Jesus, that he's actually there as a servant. He's, in a way, the ambassador for God. Um, the word that he speaks is not his own word, uh, and when he does say his own things, it doesn't carry any weight or value because it's not from the source that sent him, which is God. In the same way with an ambassador like in Egypt or whatever, if if the Egyptian ambassador says, you know, uh, the United States is going to give you $100 billion, but the Congress and the president and uh, the government here hasn't authorized him to do so, then that word doesn't carry any validity. And it's the same thing with pastors. The uh, Bible passages that come to mind, uh, first of all, Luke 10, verse 16, he who hears you, hears me. He who rejects you, rejects me. And he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. I think that verse, uh, Jesus' words here, clearly state that ambassador teaching and that ambassador concept that you're talking about. And also, the uh, the words with which John, uh, Jesus instituted the office of the Holy Ministry from John chapter 20. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. That response, and with thy spirit, is an acknowledgement that something happens in ordination. We're not talking about some indelible character and uh, the pastor uh, or the ordained person is somehow above or a higher class, nothing like that, but has a special call from God to speak on God's behalf. Maybe the way we can think about it is the same way we put a president into the office. He's elected and to that office before he's actually installed. And once he is installed as the president, he carries the authority of the president. Once his term is over and someone else is installed in that office, that authority has also disappeared. And it's the same thing with the pastor. Ordination puts him uh, to be eligible to serve in an office. Installation places him into an office through uh, rite vocatis, a rightly ordered call. And, uh, and that's the acknowledgement with thy spirit says, 
God has placed this man here to give me the gifts, and God is actually giving the gifts through him. I think that I think that is a wonderful word picture. And when a pastor or when a president is no longer the president, either when he's unelected or term limited out, uh, out of honor and respect, people still call him Mr. President. They might even have him come and give a speech or uh, present uh, diplomas at the commencement exercise. But he has no authority to enact law or make executive. Uh, that's, that's all gone. Mm-hmm. That's all gone. And I think we in the church could learn a lot from that with regard to pastors who have retired, pastors who no longer have a call to a specific um, a spot, and uh, we treat them with honor and with great respect for the service that they have done. But uh, they're not the pastor anymore. And we, we create much confusion when we act and think like they are. Uh, we need to take a break. This is At Home in Your Hymnal. We're looking at the salutation and uh, response. And in a little bit, we're going to look at that funky little prayer called the collect. Don't change that dial. We'll be right back. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to At Home in Your Hymnal, Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline. We're looking at Divine Service Setting 1, page 151 and following in Lutheran Service Book. Specifically, we're looking at the salutation, um, the Lord be with you. And in our first segment, we talked about the uh, the response and also with you and how that's changed over the years. When we get into our detailed look at Divine Service Setting 3, we'll talk more specifically about the importance of that uh, and with thy spirit and the theology that that brings with it. We, co- we covered a little bit of that in the first segment, but uh, we just barely scratched the surface. There, uh, There's still more to be... Uh, uh, how would Pastor Kuhlman say that? There's more meat on that bone. Uh, I think that's one of his little Kuhlman-isms. Uh, but uh, with regard to the Lord be with you, um, this uh, this whole thing seems like, you know, for, from the outsider coming in, at this particular point in the service, um, what's the point? What's the purpose? You know, the pastor stands, the Lord be with you. Uh, you know, it's uh, if you're going to say hello, you should have done that at the beginning of the service during the greeting time. I want your reaction to this paragraph from uh, Pastor Fromm's uh, Bible study. The salutation is not so much a wish, but a declaration, as there is no word may in the salutation. It is a proclamation of the Lord's presence in terms of a blessing, that is, a bestowal of divine gifts. 
The speaking and teaching of the Word of God is about to begin after the collect of the day. The salutation and collect are spoken in preparation for this activity. This is a divine activity through the earthly means that God has appointed. What do you think of that uh, uh, statement with regard to the reason and the purpose behind that salutation? I think he's exactly right. And we know this from Christ's own words himself. He says, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there I am also with them. And uh, then in the catechism, we talk about uh, what what does it mean that God's name uh, is being used properly. Uh, and that means that uh, when we preach God's word and administer the sacraments according to God's institution and according to its truth and purity, that uh, God is really working. So when we say these words and then we get into reading God's word directly, quoting uh, from the very mouth of God with the Old Testament, the epistle, and the gospel lessons. It means that in that preaching and teaching, God is really, truly present. And, um, you know, this is, um, I think you made mention that I'm working through uh, this idea of reverence. Um, there is a sense of reverence that must be present then when God's word is preached and taught and spoken because God really is there. Uh, and in the same way that when the Queen of England comes and visits, you don't just say, Hey, old gal, how are you? How are things over there in the island nation? You know, we, we, we treat the, the person in that office with respect and, and kindness. Same with used to be with the President of the United States. You know, if the President of the United States was present, you would uh, act politely and kindly. Now, you know, you people are get angry. And uh, was it George W. Bush had a shoe thrown at him and uh, um, things like that? That's that's irreverent. We don't uh, act like God's really here. We, we now are casual and calm, and who cares? And if your sports team won a championship and you got an invitation to the White House, even if you didn't vote for or particularly care for the person who was in the office, out of reverence and respect, you went. Uh, I think of Forrest Gump going and seeing the president when he's elected to be nominated or voted to be an All-American. It's just what you do. Mm -hmm. And uh, that that whole understanding of reverence is completely absent in our society today. And there's only one thing that will bring it back, and that is repentance. We need to repent of our idolatry of self and ideas, and we need to believe that God is who he says he is. Now, um, I'm going to read another paragraph here, which is a, a quote uh, from an individual by the by the name of W.C. Van Unick, and the uh, title of his book is Dominus Vobiscum, the background of the liturgical formula, uh, from E.J. Brill, 1983. And, folks, this may blow your mind. When the pastor turns around and says, The Lord be with you, 99 times out of 100, when we think of the Lord, we think of Jesus, right? Think back to the last time you confessed the Athanasian Creed, and hopefully that was on Trinity Sunday, um, and maybe, uh, maybe your congregation does it more than Trinity Sunday. We're working toward that here at Good Shepherd as well. My, uh, my daughter, who is uh, nine years old, has recently been working on memorizing the whole Athanasian Creed. So 
Um, well, your daughter is an exceptional child, and you know exactly what I mean by that. She is uh, very, very, very smart. So uh, I think that would be a, a great um, thing to hold up for the whole congregation when they think it's too long or too complicated or too boring. But if a nine-year-old can memorize this, uh, right. it's not too tough for you. This quote uh, is with regard to the identity of Lord in the salutation. Folks, are you ready for this? Buckle up. The Lord is here not so much the Father or the Son. It is the manifestation of the Lord in the Spirit, 2 Corinthians 3.17, an interpretation of an Old Testament text. The greeting is a declaration that the Spirit of God is really present. The response of the congregation is very much to the point. When the minister assures them of the presence of the Spirit who is with them, that is, with their spirit as Christian folk, they in turn assure him of the same divine assistance with his spirit. We, having the special charisma, gifts, and standing in need of that assistance because of his prophetic work. Pastor, the Lord be with you is really the Holy Spirit be with you. Your, your thoughts, comments, and reaction to that. I don't think that should be a surprise to us because where's the Holy Spirit working? It know? shouldn't be a surprise to us. That's my point. The thing is, I'll bet if you took a poll Sunday in church, 99% of the people there would say the Lord is a reference to Jesus. And, and, and we, just, we haven't taught this. Maybe, the, yeah, I was going to say, as Lutherans, we understand properly how the Holy Spirit works. He's not just floating around and he decides to strike some people with lightning and not others. Rather, the Holy Spirit, uh, through God's infinite wisdom and grace and mercy, has attached himself to the Word. And wherever the Word is, the Holy Spirit is. And so why is the Holy Spirit um, present in baptism? Because it's not just plain water, but the Word of God uh, combined with the water and included in God's promise. Why is the Holy Spirit present in the Lord's Supper? Because it's not just bread and wine, but it's a word from God connected to that bread and wine. Uh, why is God, the Holy Spirit, present in worship? Because the word is preached and heard and taught and sung. And so wherever the word is, the Holy Spirit is. And so this is a good acknowledgement of the reality of what's going on. Where the Word is, the Holy Spirit is. And in the Athanasian Creed, we confess that the Father is Lord, the Son is Lord, the Spirit is Lord. And yet there are not three Lords, but one Lord. And uh, we don't often think or talk with regard to the Holy Spirit being Lord, but we do confess the Lord and Spirit of life uh, from God's Word, and that's reflected also in the uh, Nicene Creed. And so this should not be a shock and a surprise to people, but it will be. I guarantee you it will be. And, and it's in the small catechism as well. The Holy Spirit calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the entire Christian church on earth. How does he do that? Through the Word, through the sacraments. I mean... Yeah, we we have to 
Maybe we need to do a better job as pastors at teaching how the Holy Spirit works and where he is and what uh, what that means for us as Christians. There's no maybe there. We do. We do. And so this uh, salutation and collect is in preparation for hearing the word of God. It is not a pious wish or a belated, hey, how you doing today? Haven't seen you for a while. This is a declaration that the Lord and Spirit of life, the Holy Spirit who kindled faith in you, who brought you into the church, and who keeps you in that one true faith, is about to speak to you through the power of his word, the word that is appointed for this particular day. Uh, One last quote in our uh, remaining time in this segment from uh, Pastor Fromm's Bible study. To say, the Lord be with you in this context, declares the promise of the Spirit to be present, fulfilling his promises and giving out his gifts through the office in the fellowship of the church. The use of the verb to be is not limited to expressing only the present moment. The salutation is predicting the Spirit's present to the hearers, the baptized. In many cases in this greeting, the word peace is used interchangeably with Lord. The Lord be with you, the peace of the Lord be with you, or peace be with you. When the scriptures speak of the Lord being with someone, it most often indicates a blessing of the Holy Spirit in particular. And this comes from hearing the Word of God. I think that echoes your comments very well, don't you think, Pastor? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, in uh, in our divine service, following the hymn of praise, we have the salutation, the Lord be with you, and also with you, or and with thy spirit, and then we have what is called the collect of the day. The collect of the day is a prayer. Where did this prayer come from? What is this prayer? Why is it right here in this part of the service? Those are the questions we'll address when we come back from our break. This is At Home in Your Hymnal. Don't change that dial. We'll be right back. This week's church service is more than hymns and a sermon. Get a more in-depth study of this week's message with Pastor Poppy and Pastor Moline on Proclaiming the One. Tune in Sundays at 12 p.m., Wednesdays at 11 a.m., Fridays at 11 a.m. and again at 6 p.m., and Saturdays at 10 a.m. For past episodes on demand, go to thecross957.org backslash Proclaiming the One. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to At Home in Your Hymnal, Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline. We're looking at the rhythm and flow, the structure of Divine Service Setting One in Lutheran Service Book. In our first two segments of this episode, episode 19, we looked at the salutation and uh, the importance of the salutation and how the salutation is actually a proclamation that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is with you and prepares you to hear the Word of God in the readings that are coming after the collect. In uh, 
part three and now and also part four of this episode, we're looking specifically at the collect of the day, a particular prayer that is a collection of all of the thoughts, theology, emphases in the different readings for the uh, particular Sunday or festival in the church year brought together in one short prayer. Pastor, before we get into the structure of the collect, I asked you during the break to just find a collect. Doesn't matter what collect, find mm-hmm. a collect and uh, pray that collect for us. So what do you? What did you come up with? Well, here I have the collect for Palm Sunday. Okay, Palm Sunday. <laughs> so you have Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. You have the beginning of Holy Week. You have Jesus being exalted by the people, the same people who later will say, crucify him, crucify him. Uh, You have all of these things happening on Palm Sunday. So let's hear the collect. Almighty and everlasting God the Father, who sent your Son to take our nature upon him and to suffer death on the cross, that all mankind should follow the example of his great humility. Mercifully grant that we may both follow the example of our Savior Jesus Christ in his patience and also have our portion in his resurrection. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Okay, that was a good one. That does uh, reflect very well the theology of Palm Sunday and the significance of Jesus taking on flesh and blood and his ultimate goal of going to the cross and empty tomb to win our salvation. Now, the uh, structure of the uh, collect of the day can be clearly seen, and uh, there are some people that have put this together in four parts, some people that have put this together in five parts, and sometimes it's a little more clear than others, but the beginning and the end are always very, very clear. The uh, Pastor Fromm's uh, Bible study uh, lists five parts, and the first part is the address to a person of the Holy Trinity, and he explains, naming the particular person of the Holy Trinity to whom the prayer is addressed. This reminds us that we are not praying to some generic God, but specifically to the only true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as baptized believers in Christ. So let's pick apart that collect that you just prayed, that Palm Sunday collect, Pastor. Uh, How does that collect begin? begins with this particular address, Almighty and Everlasting God the Father. Okay, so we are addressing that prayer, the uh, collect for Palm Sunday, to God the Father. Now, some of the prayers, some of the collects are addressed to God the Father, some addressed to God the Son, some are addressed to God the Holy Spirit. Uh, not a whole lot of them are addressed to God the Holy Spirit, but uh, we do we do have um, each individual of the Holy Trinity, and it is perfectly acceptable to address any one of the individual persons of the Holy Trinity in prayer. And because of the Trinity, when you address one, really you're addressing all. Uh, We can't divide them and say, like, well, we're talking to this particular God this time and that particular God that time. It is one God. Um, We're just addressing the one person here and thereby the entire Godhead. And that is an outstanding point, one that we cannot emphasize enough, because where the Father is, there is the Son and the Holy Spirit. Where the Son is, there is the Father and the Spirit. Where the Spirit is, there is the Father and the Son. Uh, It is a great mystery. 
but a mystery for us and displaying God's love. The second part of the collect of the day in this structure of the prayer is what uh, Pastor Fromm calls the basis or the rationale. A promise of God in Scripture or a characteristic of God upon which the petition is grounded. This keeps the prayer grounded not in our desires or imagination, but in Scripture and what God has specifically promised as well as what God has already done. So in this particular prayer, Pastor, this Collect for Palm Sunday, what is the basis or rationale for our prayer to God the Father? Who sent your Son to take our nature upon him and follow the example of his great humility. Okay. so I I skipped a line there. Sorry. (laughs) Who sent your Son to take our nature upon him and to suffer death on the cross that all mankind should follow the example of his great humility. Okay. I was about to sneeze there. Sorry. (laughs) It's all right. So so, uh, we are addressing this prayer to God the Father on the basis or the rationale that his great love prompted him to send Jesus into this world, and on the basis and rationale of the humility of Jesus and his example of this great humility, which prompted him to be obedient to the will of the Father. Is that a fair way to say it? That's exactly right. And, and really, that's the basis or rationale for a lot of our prayers, that God, we're speaking to you because you loved us enough to send Jesus for us. Um, awesome. Awesome. The third part in our structure of the collect of the day is what Pastor Fromm calls the petition, request, or thanksgiving. Um, Most of the time when we pray, this is all we pray. Hey, God, I'm tired. Help me. Hey, God, I don't have any money. Uh, Help me win the lottery. You know, what we want, that petition, That tends to be the bulk of a Christian's prayer. And what we're talking about here in this uh, structure of the collect is that this is the middle, and some people might say it's kind of the heart, you know, what we're asking for, but it is bracketed, bracketed by the reason why we can come to God in prayer. So the request being made upon the basis or possibly thanksgiving. So what is this uh, petition request thanksgiving in the collect for Palm Sunday? Mercifully grant that we may both follow the example of our Savior Jesus Christ in his patience. That we may both follow and then be patient. Well, the the both refers then also to the fourth part, which is the benefit. Uh, And so the first part, the petition is that we may follow the example of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It has that word both in there because uh, then we also want the result of what, if God grants it, it, what does that give to us? Okay, so the the thing that we are praying for is to be strong enough to follow the example of Jesus— is that a is that a fair way to characterize Correct. it? Correct. Okay, and uh, we don't talk about Jesus as example very often in the church because he is so much more than example. But the example here is his patient suffering and his obedience to the will of the Father. This is certainly a desirous prayer for every Christian. The fourth part of a collect in this structure is the reason 
or the benefit. That's how Pastor Fromm characterizes it, and he explains it this way. The goal or ultimate blessing upon which the request is based. This helps keep the prayer focused upon divine priorities and not merely what we desire in a moment. So uh, how does that tie in here with this particular prayer, Pastor? This prayer's benefit is this, and also have our portion in his resurrection. And so we're praying that by following the example of our Savior Jesus Christ, we'll have a portion of his resurrection, and that's the benefit that we get. It is, and it reminds us of Romans 6. Uh, Don't you know that uh, all of you who have uh, been baptized into Christ Jesus, have been baptized into his death, if you've been baptized into a death like his, also a resurrection like his, and also think of the the beauty of a Palm Sunday collect that even though we know all the horrific passion, suffering, beating, death of Jesus that's coming, we're pointed forward to the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus. What, what a beautiful construction in this particular collect. Uh, the last part, or the fifth part, with regard to the structure of the collect of the day is the Trinitarian Termination sometimes just referred to as the conclusion. And it's explained this way, an appropriate Trinitarian doxology that is coordinated with the address to properly give praise to the three persons of the Blessed Trinity. In the Collect for Palm Sunday, Pastor, how, uh, how does this uh, prayer conclude it? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. We are a Trinitarian people who worship a Trinitarian God. As we confess in the Athanasian Creed, unless one believes in the Holy Trinity, there is no possibility of salvation. Throughout the entire divine service, the Trinity, through the Gloria Patre, through the conclusion to the collects of the prayers, through many of our hymn verses, the Trinity is always before the people. Pastor, why is the doctrine of the Trinity treated so cavalierly or almost as a nothing in the church today when it is always before us again and again and again and again in the divine service? Well, I think because the doctrine of the Trinity is difficult for us to understand, we don't want to spend a lot of time talking about it. I think some pastors think that talking about the Trinity might drive people from the church because it seems counterintuitive to say all the time God is one and three and three and one. Uh, And so it's probably not talked about as much as it should be. And yet it is foundational, as we know from the Athanasian Creed, two things that all who desire to be saved must believe, the Trinity and the person work of Jesus. And so we ought to talk about it more. And and it's good that we end our prayers that way. Absolutely. And uh, we, in our church, uh, need to continually, especially in this pluralistic society that we live in, we need to be constantly teaching, guiding, and encouraging our people in this respect. And I know, I know we are almost out of time. Uh, it's worth mentioning very quickly that uh, 
pastors can chant the collect and that the way the chant is designed is help you to know which part is which, the address and the rationale versus the petition and the benefit, and then even the termination. Uh, usually the petition and the benefit are at a lower note than the address and rationale, and the termination is usually very familiar. It returns that first note and also brings it to a conclusion. This is designed so that when the pastor chants that, you might know which part's which of that particular collect of the day. And uh, we're not going to be able to squeeze everything in. We'll, we'll pick up again with a little bit more colic talk before we get into the readings. But I want to close uh, our segment here today with the colic for Pentecost Eve. Almighty and ever-living God, you fulfilled your promise by sending the gift of the Holy Spirit to unite disciples of all nations in the cross and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ. By the preaching of the gospel, spread this gift to the ends of the earth. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. This is At Home in Your Hymnal. We'll be back again soon. God's richest blessings in the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.